happened really was is that we were doing the good news show on Monday and uh, at noon a few weeks ago. a few yeah. weeks ago, and I was busy taking a lot of phone calls because we were doing a giveaway, and so I wasn't even listening to what you were saying, and you were just like talking to yourself and to the listeners, obviously, yeah. but you were just talking to yourself, and I come back and you're saying, "Wouldn't that be cool, Sizzle? A thousand calls for Christmas?" And I'm like, "The what now?" <laughs> <laughs> and, and basically you just you came up with this idea on the spot that you thought it would be a really cool goal for us to get a thousand calls during our Christmas share just from North Texas. And it just so happened that our COO and founder, Toya Hall, was mm-hmm. listening She's to our show. Yeah. She's very important. She doesn't live in the area, but she likes to listen yeah. to our local show and sometimes. And we had Raymond coming up. We so had Raymond Arroyo. I think she was, Arroyo. I, I think she was yeah. just listening for us, oh, okay. Dave. <laughs> okay, yeah. Let, <laughs> let me believe. Let me believe. Live in that line. Yes, so I will. I will. Um, and, <laughs> and Dave gets a text. Uh, Dave and I get a text from her saying, that's a great idea. All <laughs> the markets should do it. And then now suddenly it's a competition. <laughs> and I feel so good because uh, Toya isn't an idea person. Toya is a visionary. She she comes up with most of the ideas in the GRN. So for me to have contributed one little idea that maybe will stick, you know, I, I think it's a, a, a pretty cool idea, if I must say myself. And so you're thinking, okay, that's the background of it. What is it, uh, you two? And what it is, as the name implies, is that we want to get a thousand calls for the Christmas Shurathon this coming week, Tuesday through Friday, and not a thousand calls from the whole network, which in and of itself, would be an amazing thing because we very rarely in a four-day Sherathon get a thousand calls. In fact, I, I would say it probably hasn't happened in the last ha- few years. It has not happened in a long time. Yeah, it yeah. doesn't happen. So so we're going big, okay? Because we're not talking about a thousand calls from the whole network. We're talking about a thousand calls from North Texas, okay? So we, you know, I would guess if we got the statistics out, we'd say they'll probably find out that in a typical Christmas Sherathon, we might get a couple hundred calls from North Texas. Mm-hmm. So this is a big, big ask, okay? But when you think about it, there are well over a million Catholics in North Texas, and we don't only get calls from Catholics either. And so to get a thousand, that is such a tiny, tiny, tiny little fraction of the people that listen to Catholic radio and uh, much more so the people who uh, are live in North Texas who are Catholic. Okay, so we can do this, and this is where we want your help. And so we're using this 10 or 15 minutes of this interview, air quotes, uh, to because really nobody's being interviewed here, right? I mean, Dave, how are you doing? <laughs> I could make yeah. an interview. <laughs> yeah, it's not really an interview of the week. No, We're breaking it's all not. the rules here. Wow. Okay. The next one is an interview with Mary Delamo. Okay. Uh, so we're going to ask you if you would please help us to get a thousand calls because the way that this is going to happen is if everybody's on board. And if you're listening, uh, you know, on a Saturday afternoon to Catholic radio, you probably love this station. Hopefully you love these interviews that we do. And so I'm going to sweeten the deal because I got an email the other day from my friend Scott Cook and he is the chief of staff of a big parish in the Forward Diocese called St. Elizabeth Ann Seton Parish. In Keller, okay, it's kind of like if, if you're from the Dallas Diocese, it's kind of like the St. Anne's of the Fort Worth Diocese. If you're from the Fort Worth Diocese, well, you know what it is, okay? It's, it's, <laughs> it's St. Elizabeth in Keller. It's kind of like St. Anne's in, uh, in Dallas. <clears throat> All right, so Scott Cook said, guess what? We are going to have a concert with uh, Emmett Cahill, who used to be with a Irish group called uh, Celtic Thunder. He was given the award from the America, Irish American Music Association as the best Irish tenor in the world. Okay, so he's coming to town on Sunday, December 3rd, which is this coming, uh, not tomorrow, but this coming Sunday. Right. Did I get that right? 
See, I just asked you a question. It just became an interview. Uh, yes, it did. Okay. Uh, yeah, you are correct. All right. Okay. I'm saying with I, great not, confidence. I, I, don't, I don't know that I can trust that. But <laughs> okay. So no, it is. It's this coming Sunday, December 3rd, 7 p.m. at St. Elizabeth Anseton Catholic Church. And it's called Christmas in Ireland. All right. So this is Emmett Cahill. He was with Celtic Thunder. Beautiful, beautiful voice. In fact, he'll be, he'll, he, he might... Uh, I might interview him for our, our good news show on Monday. So here's what you do. I have a couple of concert, I have four concert tickets and meet and greet. Okay. You arrive early on Sunday, December 3rd at like 545 or six. You get to meet Emmett Cahill. You get to talk to him and then go to the concert at seven o'clock. And uh, these tickets are $60 each. And so here's what, here's what I'm getting at is if you will, Email us at kath at grnonline.com today, preferably today, Saturday, or tomorrow, and say, hey, send me that graphic about a 1,000 calls for Christmas, and I promise you I'll send it out to my email list, whether that be 10 or a 1,000 people, it doesn't matter. Text it to your friends, post it on your your social media, whatever works for you. And just say, hey, they're looking for a thousand calls this coming week for the Sherathon. Please, please, even if it's $5, call in and make a donation. If you do that, um, I'll put you in a drawing for one of these pairs of tickets for the Christmas in Ireland with Emmett Cahill on Sunday, December 3rd, this coming Sunday, and the meet and greet. Okay, and there's going to be two winners. We're going to do this also on Monday during our live show, but we should have a, a winner by the end of Monday. Yes. So you'll have, you know, five or six days to prepare for the, the concert. All right. Did I explain that okay? Um, yeah. K- K-A-T-H at com. That'll go to me and Sissel. And I think like 10 other people on the GRN that will email us and say, get me off that list. Well, isn't that what happened? What no, no, Manny, oh. Manny was on Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. For a while, we had that one. It, it's really just supposed to be Dave and I, but for a while, we were splitting duties between <laughs> other staff members, and suddenly and I forgot that we left it with that, and so everyone else is getting responses. <laughs> <laughs> My bad. Okay. It so is we, fixed now. We took them off. <laughs> so. Took off, so just be Dave and I. All right. So I hope that makes sense. Uh, the, the key is, and also, if you're listening right now, please be one of those thousand. It, it's, it's a big, ambitious goal. It is. But I've been sending out emails, and the 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 graphic and you know if imagine you send it out to 50 people and you say hey please you know send this out to Call 50 in people $10, also five dollars yeah and it, and it doesn't have to be yeah, it doesn't have to be a big yeah, we're donation going for volume of calls and because with the volume of calls the generosity comes as well yeah, and we'll be able yeah. to hit all of our goals uh have we even mentioned what the theme dave is of the share-a-thon? <laughs> i think we kind of like went right past that it's our christmas share and it's honestly arguably one of our the most fun ones because we get to play christmas music yeah. uh the theme is joy to the world so it's a very joyous uh share um you're really right there right before the first week of Advent. Um, so it's a lot of fun. And uh, it's called Joy to the World. And we're giving away a Raymond Arroyo CD for mm-hmm, people. Yeah. So you'll hear during the share on how you could potentially get that. Every donor is going to be getting an interview. So that's yeah, very exciting. And, and did you, have you listened to that yet? <laughs> okay, you haven't. So busted. what's funny is, well, okay. Have you? Yes. Okay. All right. <laughs> Not busted. So I. <laughs> Good try though. So, okay, here's the thing is I have short-term memory loss. So I always listen to it the day before and okay. the day of the like the first day I take take notes you yeah I take notes too but I listen to it on my commute to and from work 
the Monday before Sharathon. How can you take notes when you're driving? Well, I'm taking mental notes. And then when I get back to the (laughs) office, I listen to it again and I take notes then, but I have a better idea of what. (laughs) I listen to it several times, but I have to do it right before the Sharathon because I will forget things. And it's, it's, can I say who it's with, right? Oh yeah. yeah. It's with Deacon Harold Burke Sivers, who you know is a dynamic speaker. So even though I have not listened to it yet, uh, when I have, I, we've gotten some really good feedback on it and it's, sounds really awesome. So every single person, whoever donates, all your friends that you're, texting or emailing mm-hmm. to donate they're going to get this amazing interview yeah um so so yeah these, you, you, you're like, taking that second hand yeah, yeah. You, you think it's amazing you're you're when <laughs> you when you actually when you actually listen to it, it you're gonna know it's amazing no no it yeah. really is no, i mean sean, is. sean sean you know sean's got it going on i mean sean, sean rice yeah sean, sean's a good interviewer and he of course the, the dynamic deacon's outstanding so yeah you give a five dollar donation you're one of a thousand calls and you get this and if you want to increase it and you have a chance to win an iPad and even a pilgrimage and all that kind of stuff. But uh, there's all sorts of fun things that happen. And we have some other fun goals and things that are going to happen during this share Um So, yeah, we're just asking for everyone listening to get donate yourself and then get all your friends and family and post it on social media. We're going to be sending an email update at the end of each night. You know, every during the share normally our president, Sammy, will send out an email saying how we did during the day, let you know what's happening the next day. And it's good for everyone to kind of see gauge and how it's going. But we're going to send Dave and I are going to send an email at the end of each day just to the North Texas folks, letting you know we've gotten, you know, 95 or, uh, you know, 500 calls so far please you know email your friends we can do this so it's going to be kind of like a team effort sort of thing yeah. we're going to be like charging <laughs> well we sent out the first one monday night before the shareathon just uh real short and sweet hey look for a thousand calls or mm-hmm. something like that We've, and then yeah imagine if we did get like 250 this is Dave and I also day. having our uh, business meeting while we're <laughs> talking yes yes no that's a good idea no yeah it would be amazing oh if we like we're already a fifth of the way there on the first oh, day gosh. oh that'd be so amazing yeah. so help us do that um again it's just next week call in what you can tell your friends to do the same yeah and this would be the most calls from north texas in any radiothon shareathon this might be uh, the most calls any of our shareathons has ever gotten right right and, and you know like in the sisal said the other markets are doing this as well and imagine if they are successful and i mean who knows i mean only time will tell how successful this will be but imagine getting three or four thousand calls during a shareathon i mean that the the the, the volunteers would love it oh, because the calls would never stop ringing. love that. They want to be working nonstop when they're mm-hmm. here. They get very sad if it gets quiet and then I have to start juggling or something and that's never a good idea. <laughs> yeah, those, you know, put down those, those chainsaws yeah, and yeah. Uh, it just gets very dangerous. I can't afford another hospital bill. <laughs> I know and, you know, cut off limbs. All right, so here's the deal. Let me just kind of summarize because we only have a couple of minutes and uh, Emmett Cahill is coming to town. Uh, one of the best Irish tenors in the world. Christmas in Ireland. Sunday, December 3rd, this coming Sunday, and I have two pairs of meet and greet before the concert and the concert, okay? And all you got to do is email kath at grnonline.com, preferably today if you can. Um, Sissel or I will, okay, let me just, I'll, I'll do it since, you know, we don't <laughs> want you getting both of them. So I'll send you the graphic and then you just merely forward that to your friends, text it to people and just say, Hey, I'm planning on calling in with a donation of any size. Please do so the same. That's the joy of the world. Christmas Shareathon's coming up starting Tuesday and you'll be put in the drawing. And so anyways, 
that's that's what's going on. Thank you so much. And again, as we started off saying, hope your your Thanksgiving was a blessing. Thank you for listening. Thank you for supporting our sponsors. Do we know a sponsor yet of this uh, interview of the week this week? Or are you? Yes, still, I do. Victory uh, Investment Strategies. All right, super. So Elizabeth and Joel Victory from uh, Cleburne, uh, wonderful sponsors for many many years, going all the way back to the beginning of uh, Catholic Radio here in North Texas. All right, Cecil. Well, that was an interesting interview. Yeah, and, thank uh, you. Uh, thank you for having me. I appreciate you know being able to come on talk. About Catholic radio yeah. on Catholic radio. No, you did an awesome job. Uh, and I just want to note real quick because I think this is the first time we're mentioning it here on this program that if you are not already doing it, um, please follow our uh, GRN DFW Facebook group because I post a graphic now every week um, on the weekend with the interview of the week details. So all the links about the interviews that we're talking about and a sponsor of the week, all that information we talk about in the interviews is going to be there. Yeah, and it's really a cool looking graphic too. You can you see pictures of people too. That. Yeah, <laughs> so the, who the people are. All right, uh, got to go. Thanks so much for your support. Uh, Christmas Shurathon begins Tuesday, 7 o'clock in the morning. And uh, if you want to help us, email kth at grnonline.com and I'll send you that graphic that you send out uh, to your friends. God bless you and and uh, quick break here and then I'll have the interview with Mary Del Olmo who I described at the beginning of this program. Uh, thanks for listening. The Fort Worth Diocesan Mission Council invites all to attend Mission Awareness Day 2023 at Holy Family Parish in Fort Worth on December 9th from 9.30 a.m. to 2 p.m. The keynote speakers will be Miss Alexandra Holden from the National Office of the Pontifical Mission Societies in New York and Reverend Anto Vijayan Carlos, SAC, Pastor of St. John the Baptizer in Bridgeport. For more info, visit the Fort Worth Diocesan website, fwdioc.org. Victory Investment Strategies is a sponsor of KTH 910 AM. They pray for continued blessing on all who make Catholic Radio possible in North Texas. The unique programming is vital to our daily lives. Victory Investment Strategies is a full-service investment firm owned by Joel and Elizabeth Victory, members of St. Patrick's Cathedral in Fort Worth. They offer a variety of products and will custom fit a plan for your individual needs. 866-810-6800. 866-810-6800. Securities offered through LPL Financial, member FINRA SIPC. Welcome to this very special and unique edition of the KTH 910 AM Interview of the Week here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. I'm Dave Palmer, Executive Director here at the station. And uh, this is really uh, going to be an interesting conversation because I'll ask you, uh, dear listener, have you ever been to a mass of consecration of a virgin living in the world? And I bet you 99.9% of you will answer no, because they're extremely rare, at least of late. Although historically, as our guest uh, will mention, there have been uh, a number of these, and it was more common back in the past. But my guest, uh, who is in studio where with me here, is Mary Del Olmo, and uh, she is uh, she grew up in Sherman, lived in Plano, moved to Chicago, Boston. Of late, has been in Munster, and uh, she uh, she. This is something we're we're talking about. This that is in the future, but by the time this runs, it will have been in the past. So on November twenty second of this year, it's a Wednesday at noon at St. Patrick's Cathedral in downtown Fort Worth. Uh, she will be consecrated as a virgin living in the world. And so um, she's here and she's going to explain uh, what this all means and a little bit about her background. So Mary, thank you so much for being here. It's an honor to talk to you about this. Thanks for having me, Dave. So uh, tell me a little bit about your upbringing. I know your mom is here with us. She's in the other room. Uh, you have 
couple brothers, you've got a niece, uh, and I talked about some of the places that you've lived, cradle Catholic, pretty normal kind of very Catholic kind of upbringing or, or how was your upbringing? Yes, it was. I would say it's pretty normal upbringing in the Catholic church. My, my mom is one of 12 siblings and, um, they were all brought up in the Catholic church. I have many cousins. We have a large family and, um, Munster is a, a very Catholic town. Mm-hmm. The culture is very Catholic there. So, um, I didn't grow up there, but my mom did, so she carried that over to me. And so I went to Catholic school from preschool all the way through to um, senior year of high school. I was really involved in church, especially in the youth group and the music ministry. As a teenager, went on mission trips and went to Rome in 2000 for World Youth Day. Mm. Um, as I entered into college, I got involved in a chapel choir that was interdenominational. And so I was going, I was rehearsing a lot with them and going to services and performing with that choir and then going to mass later in the day. And as I got through my first semester, I just, I had friends asking me why I was going to church so much on a Sunday and I didn't have a good answer. So mm-hmm. as much as I love Jesus, I, I didn't really understand why mass was different from an interdenominational service. Yeah. And um, so I sort of wandered off and um, and then headed out of the church for a while. Again, not really on purpose or being upset with anything, just sort of wandering. Like and not, a, not going to Mass? Yeah, but I didn't go to Mass. And just then, like in your, what, teens or 20s? 20s. Or, oh, your like 20s. Through okay. um, undergrad and graduate school. And then about 2005, when I started working professionally as a physical therapist, I just stopped going to church altogether. Ah. Unless I went to Munster and then I would go to Mass. Yeah, so please, yeah. God, forgive me for, Interesting. for the many times I received the Eucharist. So when you were but, growing up, uh, maybe as a child or a teenager in high school, uh, were, were you did, did you say think, oh, I want to get married one day and have a family? I want to be a nun, a sister. I mean, what was what was in your mind? Or and and I guess as a follow up question, when did this kind of hit the radar screen? Because uh, like I said in the introduction, this is very unusual. This is very atypical, I guess you could say. But um, tell us about that process. Well, in, I think growing up, I always pictured myself being like my grandma, getting married uh, in my mid to late twenties and having a lot of kids, mm-hmm. preferably in twins and triplets. So <laughs> I can get to them quickly, <laughs> but I wanted, <laughs> I wanted to have a really loud, busy household. And I pictured that for myself growing yeah. up. Uh, when I was 15, I went on my first mission trip and I met a girl who told me when she graduated high school, she was going to go into the convent. And I found that fascinating. And I did pray to God at the end of that mission trip um, that if I wasn't married by the time I was 30, then I would consider religious life. Okay. And so then, you know, fast forward, I go through college, I sort of wander off from the church. I'm not going to church. I'm working professionally and I start to feel really unsettled. At that point, I was up in Southern New Hampshire working and I just felt like something wasn't right and I couldn't put my finger on it. And I just felt like I wanted to go home. Mm -hmm. And so I moved to Munster. And again, it's such a culturally Catholic town that all the fun stuff that happens with my family happens at church usually (laughs) or at a church function at Sacred Heart Parish in Munster. So I, I was sort of going to mass on and off. I lived out in the country. So, and, uh, And I just realized I moved back there when I was about 28 or 29. And then uh, there was a Christmas Eve when I told God I would, I said I would 
go to Mass every weekend for a year if you would restore the joy that I used to have going to Mass. Because when I was a kid, it was, oh, if you can't find Mary, she's at Mass or she's at the barn riding her horse. Mm-hmm. Those are the two places yeah. she's at. But then at. you lost it. I lost it. Yeah. So I said, give me that back and I will continue going to Mass. But if you don't give it back to me in a year, I'm just going to go whenever I want. Mm-hmm. Well, that only took like a month. And then I was back full. Oh, right. I couldn't leave. It was, again, it was it was the ranch or it was at Sacred so Heart. So God answered the prayer. Answered it loud and clear. Yeah. And so that that was, I ended up going on a mission or to a, to a mission at our parish that one of the Jesuits from Montserrat was leading. And he introduced it. He talked about silent retreats. And I thought, gosh, that's for me. Um, and I went on my first retreat at Montserrat in the fall of 2012. And it was there that I really was able to, for the first time in dec- a decade at least, really hear God. Mm. Um, and in a meditation, I finally was able to converse with God. And at that point, um, you know, all those things converging and my prayer becoming deeper and more intimate, I realized there might be something else that God wants for me besides marriage, but I'm not sure. So that's really when I started discerning. And that would have been, like I said, in about 10 or 11 years ago. Yeah, yeah. So how did the idea of being a consecrated virgin living in the world, you probably didn't even know the, this existed, right, no. at that time. So so how did that first get introduced to you, the, even the idea of it? It was later in the process. I mean, I was looking into religious orders first. Okay. I was taught by Carmelites in high school. And I love the Carmelites. I love their charism and their contemplative nature. Um, I knew I didn't belong in a cloister. <laughs> uh-huh. That would probably be a near occasion of sin for me every day. But I, I, I had worked with some missionary sisters, some Carmelites in Guatemala. And so I was looking into the missionary orders, the Carmelite missionary orders. Um, I looked into the Saint, Sisters of St. Mary Nemour here in Fort Worth, also a missionary order. Um, I started meeting with a spiritual director. That then at some point in there, I actually met a man who was also discerning. And so I was like, oh, maybe he does want me to get married. So I dated a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, more than a little bit, a couple of years. Yeah. And uh, same guy. I same mean, guy. Okay. Long, yeah. long. So that's, that's, yeah, that's this okay. is really, I've only ever dated two guys in my whole life. So, yeah. Um, and then uh, probably in, <clears throat> excuse me, about halfway through that 10 year process, my Aunt Mary Beth, who's my godmother, mentioned consecrated virginity or mentioned a consecrated virgin. I was I was with her while she was recovering from knee replacements. And she we were just chatting and she mentioned it. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, what's that? And I started looking into it. And um, it really, on paper, felt like this was it. Mm-hmm. I have a very deep love and attachment to the church and to the to the world, not worldly things, but the creation of the world, people, you know, my family, um, the land that my family, we have a large ranch as a family up north of Munster, the land creation, um, my patients that I take care of. And I prayed for a couple of years straight to be released of that attachment. You know, if he wanted me to go Mm -hmm. in, if God wanted me in an order, in a community, I needed to be able to let go of that. And it's like it got deeper and deeper instead of freer and freer. So when I learned about consecrated virginity and that that could be lived in the world where I could continue to serve Sacred Heart and stay in our diocese and I could 
still be 100% committed to Christ in that and say yes to him fully and no to all else, then I was, that was it. Mm-hmm. And I did go on an introductory retreat in Lansing uh, run by the United States Association of Consecrated Virgins, which was helpful. By the end of that, and I was also finishing my 19th annotation retreat with my spiritual director, which is a, a in-the-world lay version of a 30-day silent retreat. Um, all that, uh, right around then, I just said, I'm going to start living this decision and work on trying to meet with the bishop mm-hmm. to see if he would be willing to accept me as a candidate for formation. So how did that go? Because Bishop Olson been, has been bishop a number of years, but probably you know, he's never done this. No. And so it kind of new to him as well. Was yeah. he, he was probably familiar with this, but what, what did yeah. he say when you called him and said, I'm interested in this? Well, it took a, a little while for me to get a meeting with him. And then uh, really, he just asked me a few key questions. I had I had an application that I had filled out and references, and he had a lot of information about me ahead of time. And I had some people that were friends with him, a priest and a, a sister friend who were um, advocating for me, which was helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, and he asked if I had already, if I had gone and visited orders, religious orders, because that should should be the first thing mm-hmm. a woman should look into. I I think I've been yeah. taught that, and I believe that most people are going to be suited for a community, because within this vocation, I'm you are responsible for your own financial future, your retirement, um, for your housing. You know the diocese is not responsible for any of that. So if you don't have a way of care of being confident that you can care for yourself through the rest of your life. And also if you don't have the self-discipline to not have a rule of life given to you and then made sh- making sure that you're following it, this, y- you should be in a community. Mm-hmm. You know, if you need that kind of, are you allowed to raise money for yourself or if, if somebody needed it uh, or do you just need to, do you, do you I keep, guess. do you keep working? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you, so you'll still be a physical therapist. Yes. Yeah, okay. I get so to nothing keep, changes. I still get to take care. That will be my apostolate, yeah. a work of mercy, caring for the sick and the elderly. What do what do your clients say when you say, <laughs> you know, oh, by the way, I, you know, got consecrated as a, you know, virgin living in the world. I mean, especially if the, the most of people in Munster are Catholic, but most of my patients are Protestant because because most people, even Catholics, don't even know what this is. No. So what what kind of reaction do you get? Uh, well, it ranges from that's a shame you should be married <laughs> to or some of the older men will say, "Well, you don't want to marry me." <laughs> um or or to, "Wow, that's amazing." And they yeah. want to know more about it. Most of my patients, I I actually offer prayer yeah. as part of what I do with my yeah. patients. And So totally in the world. Yeah. yeah just you're, you're and, living a very ordinary life, mm-hmm. but it's an extraordinary vocation. Yes. Now, let me ask you this um, the obviously the the key one of the key parts of your vocation is the virginity mm-hmm. to be to my knowledge to be a priest to be a bishop to be the pope for that matter or you know a religious sister to be married certainly you don't have to be a virgin so nope. this is a what is the theological significance of the virginity the of well first of all we all come into the world a virgin yeah. And so virginity implies uh, wholeness and a purity uh, and a single heartedness Mm -hmm. uh, that 
is the ideal for the church. And so when a, when a woman chooses to accept that gift of virginity and live it for the rest of her life, she is becoming a living icon of the church mm-hmm. herself, the bride to the bridegroom who is Christ. So um, the, theologically, that's that's what that physical integrity of as a virgin is. I want to say representative mm-hmm. of, yeah. of that of the of the spiritual integrity, the ideal of the spiritual integrity of the church as yeah. a whole. Yeah, and then yeah, I so will be a living icon of the church within yeah. my church within my parish and diocese. Is there a habit of any sort, or you just wear? Regular clothes. I'm looking at you now, and mm-hmm. you got a you know blue jean jacket on, and you look very ordinary. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, and that, but there is no, never, no habit or nothing that would identify you as as something outside well, the normal. You are, or as something separated from the world. Yeah, you know the the habit and the veil are are immediate visual indicators that someone has left the world, has yeah. has denied the world, has denied riches, denied you know, denied listening to the world. They've taken vows of poverty and obedience and chastity. And while I will, I will promise chastity, I will not pro I will not promise obedience or poverty. Not even to the bishop. I, or, I yeah, can't because if the bishop asks me something that will then make it impossible for me to support myself, mm-hmm. I, can't, I can't do it. Yeah. So if he asks me to do something or says, Mary, I think you would be wonderfully suited for this, whatever. Yeah then he and I will discern it together based yeah. on where I am in my life. You know, if, right. if based on where I am financially in terms of my health, in terms of everything. Yeah. So I, I can't take a vow of obedience because I can't blindly do whatever somebody else tells me and still responsibly take care of myself and the mm-hmm. world. Yeah. But no, I, I won't wear a habit. I dress simply and modestly, of course. Um, but, and I will, I'll wear a, a wedding ring. Mm-hmm. That'll change after Wednesday. I don't. I don't wear really yeah. anything. You're married to Christ. I'm married to Christ. I'll be a bride of yeah. Christ. I, it was it, the question popped into my mind, which I I know the answer to, but I'll just ask it anyways because there have been some couples, even saints, saintly couples like Mary and Joseph, that, li- that got married but lived chastely. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. You 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 can't date. You can't. I mean, there's there there's actually canonically nothing that specifically says you can't be married. Yeah. But it's logically yeah. implied. Yeah, that would be. Does that make sense? Right, right. Yeah, yeah that that would be a little unusual. Uh, talk about the the Marian element of this. We Mary's name hasn't popped up a whole lot, but I think people immediately associate this with some kind of Marian dimension. Mm-hmm. There's definitely one. Well, first of all, she'll be my mother-in-law, so <laughs> <laughs> we'll be hoping to be in a in a good relationship with her. Um, but also, Mary was the first consecrated virgin. Mm-hmm. She was consecrated by her parents completely to God and remained a virgin before she conceived Christ, during and after. So she is the ideal for for a consecrated virgin. She's she's who we want to be like. Mary Del Omo is my guest. Uh, she on November twenty second, uh, day before Thanksgiving was consecrated a virgin living in the world. And uh, it's the first time it's ever happened in the Fort Worth Diocese and perhaps hasn't happened in the Dallas Diocese. We're not sure entirely, but this is very rare, just thousands of consecrated virgins in the whole world um, and maybe uh, a couple, a thousand or so in the United States. We don't know the exact numbers. 
Um, you, you mentioned before we started recording that there are some saints who all of our listeners would know their names who were consecrated virgins. Who are some of those? St. Cecilia is, so I'm being consecrated, or I was consecrated on her um, feast day. St. Lucy, St. Agnes, St. Agatha, um, St. Teresa of Avila, St. Catherine of Siena. So these are big names that you know. And some of those I just, I thought, I don't mean just, but I thought they were sisters, like nuns, and like some of them Teresa of Avila was a Carmelite. Yes, uh, some of them were more were in third order. They did you say th- Catherine Siena? Mm-hmm. Was, okay, she was a Dominican, mm-hmm. lay Dominican. Lay Dominican, though. Yeah. She wasn't, yeah. she didn't profess, she wasn't a, Domi- right. a Dominican. So these were women living in the world, yeah. but especially the, the those ones that you find in Eucharistic prayer one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> the one they never say. So, well, we do in Munster a lot. <laughs> did. <laughs> uh, so yeah, this, is, this is so fascinating uh, to me because it just seems, it's, 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 it's odd, in a, in a, and I don't mean that in a, a pejorative way, but that you're living very much in the world, but very different outside the world. You're in, in no habit, you're working a regular job. Now, could the bishop call you and say, hey, we need a theology teacher over at Nolan next year. Can you teach? Are there, will there be assignments like that? Is there a, uh, do you, how, what do you do outside of working as a physical therapist and you okay, know, so your ranch in, in Munster? There's two questions there. So one, okay. is, um, one is the bishop could ask me that, Yeah. but I would discern it with him. Okay. Um, he couldn't just tell me to go do it. Um, and, uh, my primary apostolate or my primary work is prayer. Mm -hmm. So prayer and service and I'll work, like I said, from with my, my career and recreate sometimes. And, uh, but mostly ministry work and service in the, in the church. And I'll remain in the diocese in our Mm -hmm. local diocese. You know, when somebody becomes a priest, they go through years and years of philosophy and theology and, you know, cate- catechetical training. Is there any of that? Like, do you need to have some kind of body of knowledge about the faith or some kind of, you know, mastery of the faith in order to do this? Or is that not necessary in part of it? Not necessarily. It's the a consecrated, consecrated virgins live and develop, live in the world and develop their own personal charisms. It's very unique. So the formation for each one is going to be very different, especially if, say, a woman approaches this vocation in her 20s versus a woman like me who approached it in my mid-30s, late late 30s, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, there's just a different... Uh, you're, they're coming in at different levels of psychological maturity and formation, cultural formation, and then, of course, your academics... I, uh, that was a, a big question for me. You know, there was no, for, there is no, still really no formation pro- process mm-hmm. in the Fort Worth diocese yet. Wouldn't surprise me if that becomes one of the things they ask me to help with. But, uh, I took, I sort of gathered from other dioceses, um, mm-hmm. that did have formation processes. Some are very much like philosophy and theology based. Yeah. And I did, I asked, I asked the diocese, um, do I need to go ahead and get another degree? I mean, I will if you want me to, but I'd rather not. Um, what it came down to is for me, 
individually is my study and my passion is spiritual theology. So Mm -hmm. I have studied that a lot, taken courses, been in spiritual direction, gone on many, many retreats, and I'm now studying to be a spiritual director. Oh, okay. So that's how I'm taking that part of it. I have studied some theology, but not like going to UD and taking classes. Mm -hmm. Will there be any kind of, you know, I guess... There's like a vocation director of every diocese because he goes out and talks to young men about his vocation. Will you be doing that? Will you be speaking to young ladies now that you're the only one <laughs> and giving this as an option where, because most you know teenage girls don't even know this is possible. Is that going to be part of your vocation? I'd like to. I feel called to that. It's one of the reasons I'm, I wanted to study spiritual direction because I, I really believe it was a Part of the reason I think it took so long for me to get to the point of discerning Mm -hmm. seriously is because I was never really taught how to pray. Yeah, I mean, to say prayers, yes, but how to really pray, to have Mm. a conversation with God, to really ask questions and then be able to listen and then interpret what I was feeling or hearing. That, that, That requires somebody to help you through that. And so I'm hoping to be able to help young people, not just women, probably mostly women, but, mm-hmm. but yes, I already have started. I, I was already talking to young people these last six years since I've been in formation, going to like Midwestern State University to the Catholic Campus Center there or to JP2 and talking about Ignatian spirituality, Ignatian retreats, silent retreats. I'm on the board at Montserrat Jesuit Retreat House in Lake Dallas. Mm-hmm. And so um, I've worked with them hard to get a young adult retreat started, which we started two years ago for um, people 18 to 35. Uh, I have a, a great love and passion for those people and for helping them through that time in their life. Yeah. So we're in an interesting time period because as of the time that we're recording this, you just got back, got back from a rehearsal, I mean, within the last couple of hours. <laughs> and we're four days from the consecration, but when this runs, it will have been in the past. So, <laughs> I, so I, I, I say, how did it go? Because it hasn't <laughs> right. happened yet. But tell us what will happen or did happen, depending okay. on perspective, on the 22nd. What's the, cere- what's the ceremony? It's going to look like a mashup of an ordination and a marriage. <laughs> so okay. there will be, it's, it's, it's settled within the mass. Um, I will, I'll process in and we'll have the liturgy of the word. By yourself? Uh, uh, I have two attendants. Okay. Typically they would be consecrated virgins, but since we don't have any, I just have women that are in my life that help, help me or are good friends. Yeah. And then, uh, It'll look like a regular liturgy of the word until right after the gospel, at which point the bishop will call me from the congregation into the sanctuary. Mm-hmm. Um, symbolically, I have a, a lamp that a friend of mine made out of pot. But he, he's, a, he's a potter. And uh, so it's a, I will light my lamp outside of the sacristy and then bring it into the sacristy, sort of reminiscent of the Ten Virgins parable. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, then after the homily um, will be the consecration itself. So I'll have like a renewal of intention or an examination. There will be a litany of the saints during which I'll lay prostrate. That's reminiscent of ordination. Mm-hmm. Um, then there, there will be a prayer of consecration, and I'll receive the insignia of a consecrated virgin, which are my ring. I'll ha- receive a veil, uh, which you can wear after, or you don't have to. I mean, not in everyday life, but it, like say you want to veil during mass. Mm-hmm. I, I Personally, I do not veil during mass, but uh, 
anyway, that's one of the insignia. And then the liturgy of the hours, because I will pray the liturgy of the hours. I have been for the past six years, but mm-hmm. that's part of one of my insignia. And then after that, the mass continues like a regular mass. And um, so it'll it'll look like, oh, I guess at one point I put my hands in the bishop's hands. That's also reminiscent of an ordination. Mm. Um, but it's not an ordination because, you know, in the Roman Catholic Church, the the priest is is uh, in persona Christi, so can only be a man. Yeah. Consecrated virgin can only be a woman because you are a living sign of the church, yeah. which is feminine. There aren't a lot of uh, consecrated virgins living in the world in North Texas, I'm yeah. guessing. Uh, are Have you met some others? Are there any... You know, because this is very unique and it's mm-hmm. you guys have a different perspective. And so do you have some friends, uh, other parts of the country or the world who are who have who've done this or maybe are in preparation for it also? Yes. Um, there is a wonderful woman named Dawn Hausman. In the, she's the director of Consecrated Life for Women in the Diocese of Lansing, Michigan. And she's been just wonderful. She was consecrated in 2019 as a virgin living in the world. And so I met her through a friend here in our diocese. And she's been a great resource for me. And then she also started a monthly Zoom meeting for women discerning the vocation. And so once a month, we meet on a Thursday evening over Zoom and we study something, a book or whatever. And she also will bring in other consecrated virgins to talk about their stories or to answer questions. And that has been a really helpful part of my formation. Uh And I've met a lot of other women living as a consecrated virgin and also discerning. Yeah. You and I spoke about the Regnum Christi consecrated women before we started recording. I actually teach a class over at the Highlands, so I'm very familiar with that mm-hmm. uh, that community. How How is that different? Because they've got, they've got quite a few over there. Yes. I, I'd say maybe up to a dozen at some time. I don't know how many, but mm-hmm. so it's, it's not rare no. for them. But how is that different? Well, they live in community and they all subscribe to the same rule of life and have charism that's specific to their group. Those would be the main things. They also generally, if you're in uh, like a, an, a secular institute like that or a, a group of consecrated people, they're not, it's not, this is a generalization, but often they're not as much of a, they don't want to be as public about it. They want to sort of like leaven in bread. They want yeah. to sort of be in the world and evangelize from within where a, a consecrated virgin is a is more more public is more readily no i don't want to say noticed but everybody in my parish is going to know i'm a consecrated virgin mm-hmm. only but not so, by looking at you no, but just the, just the world they, will get around yeah and yeah yeah you you're you're, you're generally going to be more public about it but a, really a key thing is i'm not going to be in community and i can't form a community i mm-hmm. can't like say other women are like become consecrated as a virgin living in the world and they're like, Mary, I really like how you're living your life. I want to live with you and follow you and do what you do. Mm-hmm. I, that can't happen. Yeah, yeah. So Some people might say, gosh, are you not going to be lonely because you don't have a community, you don't have mm-hmm. a husband, you don't have kids. What would you say to that? Well, that was one of the big discerning moments for me was when I realized that as a consecrated virgin, I could have way more children than the 15 I imagined for myself as a married (laughs) woman. Spiritual spiritual children. (laughs) Yes. So I will always have those children. Um, 
I do think that there could, will be parts and have been parts of my life that are lonely. Sometimes, you know, it's hard. People don't know what this is. Mm-hmm. My family doesn't know sometimes. Sometimes yeah. it's hard for them to know even what to ask me. Yeah. And I can see that and feel that. And that's lonely sometimes. Yeah. Um, and sometimes for me personally, the trust that I have to have in God that, late, you know, I work with elderly people. I see what old age is. Mm-hmm. I see I see the challenge. I see what it's going to be. And, um, and so that, you know, if I, if that, that trust gets too shaky, that can be scary. Yeah. And that's one of those things you have to discern. Like, are you capable of knowing that and still trusting that God's going to provide for you Mm -hmm. in whatever way is needed? Because if, if you can't, if that's too scary for you, you're going to be too lonely, then you do need to be considering a community. Yes. Which would be better for you, uh, you as an individual. Are you geographically bound to the Fort Worth Diocese? Could you move to London and live there the rest of your life or, you know, North Dakota or, or do you need to stay here? I could, but the um, diocese that, the bishop of the diocese I'm leaving would inform the bishop of the diocese I'm going to. Okay. Okay. So there is a, there's, it's interesting. There's a lot of freedom. Mm-hmm. And like you said, no absolute vow of obedience and, right. you know, but other than you're married to Christ now. So, yeah. yeah. Yes. Yeah, I mean, yeah. there's like, hmm. <laughs> oh, you will be. Mom's going to oh. laugh at this because the first thing she said when I first started considering religious life, we were at, at dinner um, out at a restaurant and I was like trying to break the news to her that I didn't think I was going to get married. And, and she <laughs> didn't look very surprised. She, you know, she's, she knows me better than I know me. Um, but then she was quiet and I was like, Oh, maybe she's upset about this. She looks up at me and she goes, Mary, you do know you're going to have to take a vow of obedience, right? (laughs) Yes. So, So, but, um, it's not that I'm running from a vow of obedience because I did just earn that pretty hard. I know that about myself that I, I, I do prefer to be the leader. Mm -hmm. I'm not a great follower. Um, but it's more that what I have cultivated and will continue to cultivate is an attitude of docility. Yeah. So while, no, the bishop can't tell me what to do, I am still going to seriously consider what he's asking because the Holy Spirit is working through him. Mm-hmm. So I need to consider what he's saying very seriously. If he's saying he needs me somewhere, yeah, there, it's... It's going to it's gonna be, if I say no, it's going to be for very good reasons and through a lot of prayer and discernment. You have to meet with him regularly? Uh, it's suggested to meet with him annually, at least. Okay, okay. Yeah. Well, this is all really interesting, and I Thanks. do appreciate you coming in. Um, I know, listeners, you have probably been as interested and impressed with this conversation as I have been. Mary Del Olmo is my guest, and she was... Uh, consecrated as a a virgin living in the world on November 22nd at a noon mass and consecration at the cathedral in downtown Fort Worth, St. Patrick's Cathedral. And so um, if somebody is interested in learning more about this, there might be a young lady listening and saying, you know what, there's a reason I'm listening to the radio right now. Do you want to give out any kind of contact information if somebody wants to get a hold of you or should they call the diocese or, or, or what should they do if they, if they want to learn more? I don't know that answer yet, um, but <laughs> I'm going to say call right? the diocese or call Sacred Heart in Munster yeah. and, and they can, I, I'm not sure that answer yet, but, yeah. uh, but probably start with 
start with the vocations director at the diocese and and then you can find that on the the website um and then and then go from there but i'd say even before the key to discernment is prayer if you're not praying really praying every mm-hmm. day um, if you don't understand your faith, the the Guadalupe radio was a key part of me learning more about my faith when I came back to the church. So mm. that's a great place to start and uh, praying, lots and lots of praying. Yeah. Amen. Well, thank you very much. It's uh, great to, I know we've met in person before, but to, uh, to have the opportunity to, to, to speak like this. Mm-hmm. Thank you for your yes. Thank you for... Uh, you got a great uh, bridegroom uh, a groom that you're preparing to marry here. Thanks for listening to KATH 910 AM, Frisco, Dallas, Fort Worth. Catholic radio for your soul on the Guadalupe Radio Network in North Texas. Heard also at grnonline.com and on your smartphone. 